So, the popularity of superheroes is inarguably the highest it has ever been. With superhero properties dominating the big screen for the better part of the last 15 years. Meanwhile, the Western comics industry has failed to capitalize on the Marvel Cinematic Universe's time as part of the zeitgeist of this era. That fact, plus a quote from a recent Alan Moore interview, got me thinking. What happens to the comics industry if the MCU and superheroes become unpopular? Can the industry survive if superheroes fall out of favor? Can the comics industry survive without the MCU? It's almost like the question of, can the show survive without me? That's why I'm on the face of the episode. You know, Marco, hmm? we've done uh, 364 of these. And I don't know that across the six years or seven years that it took to produce all those episodes that anyone ever asked that question. Especially when in the first, oh, I don't know, three quarters of the, the show, you never said a word. <laughs> and my Sat man, in the back. And my man dipped out for relations. <laughs> so the answer to both of your questions, Sean, well, your question and then Marco's question is, yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <I'll> survive. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Welcome to everybody that is watching us or listening to us live or otherwise. Appreciate you being here. We're going to dive right in. And I want to start with the Alan Moore quote. I referenced that this was partially inspired by a quote from Alan Moore. He did an interview with uh, Newsarama, Games Radar, whatever we call them nowadays. Uh, I'm old school, so Newsarama to me. I didn't even know they were games radar. Yeah. They got absorbed, yeah, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, it was an interview because Alan Moore has retired from comics. I don't know if you guys know that. But he officially retired. Yeah, yeah and so he's yeah. in the novel space now. And in the interview, he refers to the comics medium as perfect. He says, the comics, quote, the comics medium is perfect. It's sublime. The comic industry is a dysfunctional hellhole. Now, sounds right to me. <laughs> yeah. He says a lot of other things. I'm going to skip them. Uh, read the interview if you're curious about the rest. It's great. Now, this question that I'm about to read um, uh, is a response to his calling the industry sublime. And this is where he says the thing that I found so interesting. He says, you called comics sublime just then and it really does feel like despite everything you still have a love for the medium is that fair he said absolutely i hope that my love of it comes across my love of jack kirby and many of the other artists and a couple of the writers of his generation now i'm skipping he said uh the medium can do anything its potential is still almost completely untapped so it was attempting to express my love of the medium, some of the wonderful people who worked in it, and to also express my horror at the fact that this little offshoot, the superhero genre, has become a monoculture that is in danger of taking down at least a considerable part of the comics medium with it when superhero movies finally aren't interesting. When that happens, 
My worry is that a lot of the comic shops won't be able to continue and a lot of ind independent interesting comics would perhaps not have outlets. So, Alan Moore is saying that because of the fact that superhero comics have gotten so popular in and out of the comic space, that if and when, potentially, the day does come when superheroes are just not a thing that people really care about anymore, when they go the way of the Western, as people like to say, that the industry itself will collapse underneath the waning popularity of superheroes. And because comic book stores have put all their eggs in that basket, they won't be able to survive the collapse. Where are you guys at on that theory? I disagree. I think there's a there was a baseline prior to the superhero movies that sustained the industry and that baseline continues to. I don't think that there's a as direct correlation between the rise of MCU and readership in comics. I don't think the and I appreciate the distinction you made earlier on western comics um cuz mm. the the flow for manga I believe is very different and those are much stronger correlated there is a stronger correlation there but i would say for western comics i don't know that mcu fans become comics fans and uh, anecdotal but of the shops that we've potentially visited like in anyone comics you know those aren't necessarily they don't have their eggs in that basket and there was a an article a few uh a few months ago now that we did a show on where we were looking at, you know, the manga section of a book of a of a of a short mm. and then the other section was, you know, a bit more unruly, but but the larger takeaway being manga is a, a larger makeup of that. So I don't feel like it would have that adverse effect. I think you'd lose Marvel fans, not comics fans. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think um I think the the overall implication there is that you know, like Marco said, the that the movies create comics fans, and and they don't, um, because you know, Flo Flo Dameron says in the chat that the the publishers put all their uh, bags in the comic shop basket. That's not the that doesn't say what I thought it did. He clarified uh, egg, eggs, yeah. Oh yeah, well that still doesn't. That's not. It wasn't making the point I thought it was making. Oh, <laughs> I read it and went, "Oh yeah, this will work." It didn't. Um, uh, the um, no, I don't think. Uh, I don't remember what I was gonna say. I've lost it completely. <laughs> I apologize. All right. Um, so. I have mixed feelings about this. A, I don't think this is Alan Moore sour grapes. No, um, no. I think this is a genuine opinion. And I do think that there is some logic to it. So where am I coming from? In 2001, for this is a wrestling uh, analogy. In 2001, the WWE... The WWE purchased WCW, their biggest and only real rival at the time. And after that, um, 
interest in wrestling had waned. A lot of the popularity was based on, you know, young adults or pre-adolescent or pre-pubescent boys who then learned wrestling was fake and stopped watching. So wrestling fell out of the zeitgeist and ratings plummeted down. Hmm. All wrestling fans, or rather, excuse me, wrestling fans in general stopped caring about wrestling. But what was more important than that was that the public stopped caring. So they lost the people that would just tune in randomly just because they wanted to have something to talk about with everybody else they know that likes wrestling or that one wrestler that they really love just wasn't there anymore. So they stopped caring. What is the correlation to this movie comics bubble? I think that there's a certain, Hey, I love the fact that superheroes are so big and cool. I love superheroes. Superheroes are in. I'm reading these comics. Not because they're MCU fans. They found comics however they found them, just like we did. But because superheroes are so cool, they want to read them. But what happens when superheroes are not cool? Because we have seen a time when superheroes weren't necessarily that cool before. And so if that comes, if that time does occur, if shops never get, because we agree that shops don't, there is no such thing as, you know, the MCU bump. And, and I'm saying we're yeah. using MCU right now, but like I'm really, we're talking about like comic book movies in general. We know that there's no long tail for that. Yes, you might, you'll see it like when, when the Marvels comes out, there will probably be a small bump for Captain Marvel comics, Miss Marvel comics, that kind of jazz. But that won't even be there if mm. the bubble pops. So you lose that, but then also, is there a carryover to people who do read comics that just say, oh, wow, yeah, the bubble burst. Marvel's probably going to stop publishing anyway. I'm out of here. Or the speculator who says the movies aren't popular anymore. That means that whenever there's a, you know, Thor 5, whoever the villain is for that, that issue number one isn't going to pop because there's no movie. I don't need to buy this stuff anymore. Who cares? How badly does that affect shops not like anyone comics who do, which by the way is most shops, who do put their eggs in the superhero basket and are trying to make money out of that lane. Yes, they have diversified, but when you go to most comic book shops, if we're talking comic books, Western comics, their money's in superheroes. Hmm. They'll just go back to cards. <laughs> yeah, remember in the in the in the two thousands when, you know, I, at least you know in Texas, my uh my hometown shop lasted through a mall closing down, you know, in the early nineties, and they finally got their own building, and they have a massive section of comics, but uh, people only go there to play magic, mm. you know, and God knows whatever else, um, so. And somehow that place has stayed open for, you know, 30, 40 years now. Um, I figured they'll do something else that, you know, they always have. Yeah. At, at least to like maintain a bottom line and to stay, to stay open. Right. I think that for sure. Um, to your point, Sean, I think, I think those 
people that would be potentially lost from the effects of the movies i think are a smaller population those aren't the typical comic book goer like that that might be a more recent fan that's emboldened by the fact that the movies are coming out and it's like okay cool um you know i can read a a comic or graphic novel on my subway ride or something or on my commuter i can i can talk more freely about it and um i don't know that those people would necessarily not keep reading i think once you're kind of locked in to the medium you tend to stay unless something pulls you out of it there's some sort of moment either from a event and or quality perspective that you feel doesn't exist there that turns you away until maybe down the line you come down there's a lot of people on our discord that have recently come back into comics and i think people potentially go work in waves but that larger effect i don't know would impact shops negatively because those people aren't going to just drop the books speculators uh, maybe um but again I, I think they're too small of a of a segment so remember when james gunn and dc put out that roadmap or whatever and they showed yeah. books and then those books went on to sell out that will never happen again in my scenario in this go ahead but this is only the first time it's happened right so sure absolutely but that kind of thing can't happen and like when i i mean this is purely anecdotal but at midtown comics you know whenever a, a movie is coming out they always have a standee with that movie characters like biggest books and things like that, that will be gone. I'm sure they sell a lot of comics through that type of, uh, and, and obviously, you know, Midtown is not indicative of the entire industry, but um, I don't, well, I don't think that speculators are a small part of the market. I actually think that they're a very big part of the market. Mm. And I think that, yeah. yeah, maybe speculators aren't spending all their money on three and four ninety nine singles but they definitely buy number one incentive covers they're definitely driving the variant market. yeah and yeah. and the variant market is driving the publishers and the uh stores care enough about variants to buy so many issues to get in on the incentive variants so clearly speculators do have a role to play in this and i think that you know, when you say people leave for a reason, I think superhero com or superhero films dying is a reason. I think that, like, I'm very deeply connected to the comic books that I read, and I love them. And I think that there are a lot of people who feel that way. But guess what? When I was in school, every single person I knew loved wrestling. The next year, no one did. These are people I... I mean, my God, they were more into it than I was and they were gone. So I don't believe that these things can't happen. You know, people move on, trends shift, and then you're left in the wind. I think that that's a possibility. But but I think if we agree that the movies don't drive that yeah. volume of user, then you're not losing a large population. Like you were a fan before the movies came out. They made you potentially a bigger fan maybe you wanted to explore more of the universe and of the world and you're excited for the movies but 
the movies go away, do you stop becoming a reader? No, I'm not talking about people who I'm not saying that like, oh, people who started reading comics specifically because of the MCU. Mm. I'm saying that if culturally superheroes are not popular, then I believe I'm and I'm going off of what Alan Moore is saying that there's a a portion of people that currently read superhero comics that would no longer do that because the trend is over. It's just not trendy anymore. It's not hot anymore. There's other things to go and read. There are people who read who read comics that stopped and now read manga only. You know, there there are other places to go if superhero comics are no longer your bag. I think I think I think the publishers have done this to themselves too. You know, in in this scenario and set themselves up on this precipice that, you know, Alan Moore is talking about. Um with that, you know, what uh we always reference the the Dan Didio interview, mm-hmm. you know. They dramatically shifted the the you know, the plane of what comics could offer, you know, in, in the U.S., mm-hmm. romance, sci-fi, Western, uh, horror, um, and narrowed it to superhero, you know, to the detriment of the industry. Yeah. Um, so, like you say, if, you know, if people stop being interested in superheroes, you know, it's it's sort of that que- that same question of if Marvel and DC stop publishing, does the industry die? Maybe. I, I, I'd, I'd say that, yeah, for sure. If, if they, if the big two were to stop publishing, then I think the industry as a whole would absolutely collapse. There continue to be 80 plus percent of what's sold. You, I don't know that it becomes sustainable from that point on. Flo Dameron says, uh, shops already feel the downfall of superhero comics. So many shops rely on gaming and other things. New comics are a small part of what keeps the lights on. I don't know if I would say a small part. I think that's uh, too diminishing of the role that comics play Um uh, for shops, I don't think a small part. Uh, I think if they were a small part, shops probably wouldn't care as much about the idea of um, comics going day and date digitally. Uh, they rely on the fact that people come in week over week to buy their books. In fact, uh, we know that a major problem that shops have is people not picking up their pull lists. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, you talk about the big two collapsing. As of right now, I personally do not believe that DC, maybe not Marvel, but I don't believe that DC would exist at all if it wasn't for the fact that Warner can make movies based on DC Comics. I think that DC Comics has had to justify its existence ever since they moved to Burbank, California. And I think that David Zaslav and the higher-ups definitely would not see, do not see, 
of value in the comics arm without the movie arm. Or even the TV arm. Or even the TV, yeah, yeah. Why Why would you not make that argument for Marvel then? Um. Well, A, Marvel comics sell more, right? Uh, and B, I kind of feel like... I, I kind of feel like they would just let Marvel be because it's profitable. You know, there's no downside to the comics existing. Um, but it just would, it's just not, they, I don't, just don't think they care enough about it. It's very valuable as a, uh, a farm for future stories for the MCU. But if the MCU completely went away, the comics arm still does make some sort of money. And also they didn't just make a massive, you know, multi-million maybe even billion dollar move to the most expensive part of the country to uh you know join all together or whatever yeah their cheap stuff is still in the relatively cheap stuff section you know <laughs> that oh, yeah go ahead sorry yeah um i don't know that that doesn't feel salient to me only because i feel like you'd have to apply the same logic to to marvel and to dc why and that uh i don't see like i, I wouldn't see a, a difference between them needing to use the ip in the same way them needing to use uh, make movies about the characters in the same way like those are the they are thinking about the ips in the same way and so i would assume you that applies to the way that they would want to retain comics the comics arm but we already know for a fact that, DC, like, this is not my supposition. We already know for a fact that DC has had to argue for its own existence ever since they moved to Burbank because of that expensive office space. That's not not my opinion. Yeah, but I don't think that that necessarily means that, like, a, a, an unprofitable arm of a business has to argue its existence. I think that makes sense, but I don't think it's because uh, they want to get rid of comics as a whole it comes from that place of profitability not from in comics are not uh, a medium we should explore i never said that i don't know where you're getting that from <laughs> all I, I all i was talking about was profitability i was saying that because they moved to burbank and because david zaslav is only concerned with profits and doesn't give a care about the medium if the movies were to go away and there was no farm and you couldn't have a James Gunn moment where he says, yeah, go buy these comics or whatever, then you're only looking at what the publishing arm of comics brings in against what it costs. And I don't know that DC would, or that Warner would find it worth it to continue publishing comics if they could never bank on making more money because of the movies, if that wasn't a factor. That's all I'm saying. And Marvel doesn't necessarily have that same problem because they didn't just move across the country and create a huge uh, uh, cost for themselves. And Marvel books sell better. But also argue that, and you know, maybe Hound and Dan in the chat can uh, back this up for me. I would also maybe argue that DC has sort of had different periods of who their audience is. Hmm. Whereas Marvel has sort of tended to have a little bit more, maybe narrower of a scope that they hit. You know, DC, it's really easy 
to you know to picture like an you know an older DC book to give to be targeted at a, uh, a kid. Oh, Batman goes to space. How fun! Batman and Robin are in space. Um, you know, and then you sort of get into the more grim stuff that you know gradually that has grown with you know that particular audience. Whereas Marvel has tended to make more fully rounded characters, you know, ostensibly since the the sixties, they have done a better job of hitting their targets with the audience. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I don't know. Um, Dan says, I don't see the difference. And with Marco on this, I don't see the difference. Marvel sells more, but isn't a margin that makes a difference. Uh, I think that there's a big difference because again, DC has to justify itself and that office space. I do, I do think that matters. Um, go ahead. Now, especially. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think to that point of like that margin difference and even atomic hound and the subsequent comment, you know, the, those are those are rounding errors. Those are, you know, made up in the differences between uh, tax credits that you'll get. Like I don't know that there's because it's such small volume. I don't know that the difference of a hundred k for that larger corporation is going to affect uh, a difference either for Marvel or for uh, DC. Like it, it feels too small to matter ultimately, and. They're keeping it. They're keeping the lights on for the sake of keeping comics around, and that might be a what? Uh, and that might be a in this age of cuts where they wipe out content on their streaming service. But but it's, win, it's, like but, it's it, it seems like they would get a lot more use out of just wiping out an industry. But the the shows and the movies, those are in hundreds of millions of dollars. Those are in potentially billions of dollars, whereas comics don't operate on those same margins. The industry as a whole has only recently in the past, what, five, maybe a little bit more years, broken a billion dollars. And that's at large. Um, I'm forgetting if that includes, it doesn't include manga because manga is probably its own thing. Um, but that is too small in comparison to the billions that operate uh, or the hundreds of millions that operate on a TV or a movie budget. Like, I'm going to keep it around. Yes, it's not profitable, and I don't think it's profitable for either Marvel or DC. I'm, I think I disagree on that point. Um, but for to keep it to keep it around and lose money, I mean, that's what all these streaming services are doing, but they're losing it at a much faster rate. Like, they're not making profit off of these things. And so... If you're not going to make, if you're not going to risk making money uh, on a streaming service, which you invest billions of dollars worth, why is a couple million dollars on comics going to suddenly save the company? I I don't see the the fiscal logic in that. You're comparing streaming, which is what they they bank their entire future on, to comics, which they don't care about. But that's what I'm saying. It, it's not a concern for them. So I don't know why now they would want to dissolve that part of the industry in order to save Marco, a small portion of money. How can you say how? 
How can you say it's not a concern for them? They literally, like Kale just said, they're they've cut dozens, if not more than dozens, of shows from their streaming services. They shelved Batgirl, all for those exact reasons that you just laid out. David Zaslav has been trying to cut costs literally from the second he got the job. And the only reason that DC hasn't been cut is because of the films. But what I'm saying is you're cutting a couple hundred millions of dollars. How much are you saving if you cut the comic book industry? Like on their end, realistically, uh, maybe a hundred million dollars as opposed to the multitude of hundreds of millions, potentially upwards of a billion dollars that you're going to save by cutting those larger films. Like I think that makes more sense from uh, from a fiscal perspective. Yeah, it makes sense that they're cutting those things because realistically, if I'm going to save, uh, and if I'm going to cut an event, what, a couple hundred K? That's, sm that's pennies in the bucket for but an, then, a corporation. But still, still, if they didn't care about it, they would cut it. Like what you're saying, what you're saying is, you know, this industry and, and, DC Comics in general makes as much as I don't know Zaslav's executive assistant. He could get he could wipe the wipe the company DC and get a new assistant. Like it's not that that would bring him business in a way that he can actually see. Like, do you think that? shelving Westworld for example like not canceling the show but taking it off of uh more of the streaming service max which is what they did as a cost saving measure do you think that that was worth hundreds of millions of dollars how much was the budget for that show it doesn't matter because they already paid it we're talking about it existing on streaming not filming new episodes oh i mean if you, you got to take the the cost into that account like they they filmed it right they filmed it and so they shelved it for the for the tax purpose of whatever they won or they got back on that yeah that makes sense they they got back x number of dollars probably upwards of millions because they put the production costs already into it that's how you get the taxes back right that's why they they did it they they shelved them so they can get tax revenue back from that okay but you you think but do you think that that was in the hundreds of millions of dollars range I think it was more than the comics potentially could earn over the same amount of time that they recorded the show. Probably, yeah. You, you, are, okay. are you guys, you guys don't think that producing a show costs more than it does to produce a comic? Absolutely, but I don't think that taking it away from an the audience that you made it for that would be willing and is willing to pay for it would get you let would take. I don't think that taking it away would get you more money. But the reason that they did it was to get those tax dollars back. But if they kept it, Marco, Jesus, if they kept it, if they kept, if they kept selling DVDs, they could get more money. But then, the but if, if people can watch it, Marco, they'll pay for it. They'll pay for it. If you build it, they'll come, Marco. I, I think we're on the, a different page on what you guys think, like the the monetary value of those things are going to be clearly I, what okay let's let's move to a different 
piece of this. Let's say you're right Please. and that Marvel and DC are the same and they'll both be gone because somehow this whole rabbit hole started because I said that DC was safer than Marvel, whatever. Let's say they're both in the same boat. What difference does it make? If they're both gone, then the comics industry is done. Industry is different than medium before you guys jump on me. But the industry of comics is yeah. done. And I think I think that <laughs> uh, something something else uh, I saw recently, uh, sort of, and not to get this started, slow your roll, Marco. The argument about AI art and democratizing art is like, whoa, a with AI, everybody can do art. Well, everybody's always been able to do art, right? You just want money from it. The medium will always exist. It's whether or not comics can make money. So Marvel and DC go, yeah, there's absolutely no money in comics. Uh, maybe you'll get it out of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like, I don't know. There was comics before the movies, and maybe I'm, I'm naive and hopeful in that. But I think after the movies, the comics are going to exist because you're going to cater to a market that wants superhero comics, profitability or not. Yeah, but I mean, if it's not the the cultural icon, where is that gonna? One, where are the shops gonna get the product? Where are you gonna be able to find a shop that can stay open because nobody's buying them anymore? And then, you know, what what relevance is there gonna be? past you know the point of the movies are gone if they're no longer an ip farm hmm. you know culturally what good are they yeah because they because so, they've been an ip farm from day one there's a 1940s batman movie you know, that came out four years after he did. Right. A weird way to phrase that sentence. <laughs> well, do you think that... Okay. So, do you think that there would ever come a time where... Because, yeah, superhero movies are everything right now. Even if they were not. Let's say it's over. Um, Does that mean that are we looking at a world where a Batman movie comes out and it doesn't do very well? Are we looking at a world where a Spider-Man movie can't get over? Like, if is that the is if if that were to happen, if we got to that point where the audience cared so little that even Batman could not, you know, break I don't know five hundred million, seven hundred million, whatever. It does that is that the end? of superhero comics or super yeah superhero characters as ip farms and if so what what are we looking at after that like kale said i mean there have always been adaptations of these characters so if that were to just dry up and stop then what are we looking at as a as an industry for the big two i think batman and spider-man go yeah yeah it's done <laughs> we just <laughs> 
uh, crumble it up, toss it in the bin. Like, I I think you have to like really do a, a lot of just shrinkage. Like you have to consolidate to maybe just the Trinity if you want to keep publishing. Um, yeah, it, it'd be it'd be a shadow of what it once was. Yeah, um, I have a problem. I just, I don't know. Maybe maybe my interpretation of the state of the comics industry is more grim than it ought to be. But I just feel like if we got to the point where, you know, the popularity of superheroes was a shadow of what it was and people just didn't care as much, I just don't know that the comics industry can survive that. Um, I hope it can. I would like for Alan Moore to be wrong. I'm not, there's no joy in that idea. Um, but, you know, again, when I think about what happened to wrestling, it took wrestling 20 years to bounce back. Hmm. Um, and WWE was still making, I mean, Vince McMahon's a billionaire, or he was at least at the time. Um, it's, it's, it, it feels like, the trend ending would have an effect on comics to me. Yeah. And I don't think that's unreasonable, but I think recently there have been uh, moves to sort of keep things buoyed, you know, um, mm -hmm. the, the smaller publishers, you know, putting Marvel and DC aside, the smaller publishers going to Penguin Random House and uh, Lunar or, you know, the the bigger um, distributors to get comics into normal bookshops. Um, I think the the moves that have been made to sort of normalize this this niche market uh, outside of movie theaters will be likely be the things that keep it alive hmm. that's interesting yeah I, I i do i think there there are um i think that there are a lot of decisions that publishers outside of the big two can make to make themselves not need the big two as much because i i really don't i, I personally don't think that uh, any publisher can survive the collapse of the big two because that is that's the industry going the way of the dodo um but that's i your biggest go ahead. sorry go ahead. Uh, that's your biggest entryway in to then proliferate beyond you know like if you're if you're gonna pick up a book nine times out of ten it's gonna be something with a superhero attached to it because it's an easy connotation and then from there, it's up to you to do your own exploring, unless somebody gives you a thing, you know, whatever it might be. But still, I think it's the that central river to split out into other streams. Yeah, I would I would argue probably most people who read comics started with some kind of superhero comic at our age, anyway. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh. Tom account says if that happens I see the licensing fees plummet and someone buys the license and makes money off it 
right here. You heard goes, it first. Goes straight. It does uh, what Valiant's done. Right. It just spreads itself out again. By the way, we will absolutely be having a draft today. As long as we hit our likes goal, which means that those likes need to come up. Our likes goal is going to be 25 for this week. So let's let's hit that like button no matter when you're hearing me. Hit the like button if you want to hear a draft, if you're enjoying the conversation, if you're looking forward to more conversation. We have a lot to talk about today. Um, so... I, I, I saw someone's I think it was maybe Dan that said that Alan Moore doesn't necessarily know the uh the current publishing situation for the big two. I don't know if I agree with that. I think Alan Moore can absolutely know that. I'm sure Alan Moore, you know, if he wanted to know it, he could know it. Whether he wants to know it or not is a different matter, but I think mm. he could he could if I can know about it, he could know about it. Right, like there's no reason why that can't happen, and he's probably still got people in it, you know. Like, and, yeah, he, he probably worked with Tom Brevoort, like he could call, and <laughs> and he was working in it up until, you know, working in the industry up until not that long ago. He was publishing comics, so it's not like he's been gone for twenty years. He just has a problem with you know DC and Marvel specifically. Um. And what they what they did to him. I I feel like things are different now than they were before specifically the MCU. Because obviously we've had superhero movies since forever. I feel like things have changed to the point where while Kale's right that comics have always been to some degree in IP form and have always had adaptations. I don't think that there was ever this system the way there is now to specifically say, I mean, geez, last week we talked about the notion that they would make changes to the X-Men in the comics to create a welcoming mat for people who are going to watch the movies that are not even, they don't even have a writer for these movies, allegedly. And they're worried about how the comics are going to reflect the movies. So that's very, that's a very different time and situation than it used to be. That makes me even more concerned. The, 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 the concern with synergist, synerg, synergism that these companies have makes me worried about what happens when the more, uh, frankly, relevant and profitable part of that synergy, part of that balance, goes away. That scares me. And I think, I think we, I think you can, you know, sort of back your fear up with the fact that, you know, like we were talking about Laslav, um, you know, just canceling stuff you know the the entertainment industry you know the the uh, the overhead companies mm -hmm. um oh has something happened to the string uh-oh uh let's see everything looks good on my end not sure top lane top lane just asked well mine stopped too mine hasn't hit there yet <laughs> 
Oh, here we go. It looks like we're back. Companies. Are we back? Y'all help me out. Yeah, chat. What's up? Looks good on my end. I still see live. I do as well. Okay. Well, okay. let's assume we're good. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Um, the bigger, uh, the bigger companies, you know, WB and Disney, at the moment, and within you know the lifespan of the MCU, have sort of been run by um, people with what feels like relatively short-term uh, uh, vision. Mm. You know, they're looking to make as much money as they can to get to the next fiscal year where they can make as much money as they can. Mm -hmm. um, whereas we have, um, whereas before, at least, you know, in my limited viewpoint of the industry, uh, we've got Rob F in the, in the chat who's, who's echoed a few things uh, that have been said, but um, this is just sort of the, the most concise one at the moment. You're focus uh, he says, you're focusing on movies, but you're forgetting merchandising and licensing. DC Comics is under DC Entertainment, and WB categorizes, categorizes comics as merchandise. Um, what I would argue is uh, previously... DC especially made a ton of money on toys. Mm -hmm. um, and that's sort of, that feels like it's sort of gone the way of the Dodo. Um, you can get, sure, you can get a couple of Batman toys. You know, they put out some toys that are out, you know. Um, Farland stuff, right? Don't they have a. Yeah, yeah. But who are they, you know, who are they marketed to? older collectors you know uh you know when i was a kid you could get the uh, uh a batman figure with a different uh costume you know he had a cool accessory and then you could get a villain that, that didn't make any sense but man there he was you know um so so my point my point there being is it, it feels like they've like we said, they, they've put their eggs in one basket. You know, yeah, there is still merchandise, and they probably could go back to that. But will that be enough to sustain the damage that they've done with the films, assuming all this goes tits up? Well, and the other thing that I think uh, is not being acknowledged is that, yeah, licensing is cool, but um, if the well dries up, then obviously that would also have an effect on licensing. It would also have an effect on the fact that maybe people don't want superhero lunch boxes anymore. Maybe now they want Pokemon uh, lunch boxes or One Piece Fortnite. lunch. Yeah, whatever it is. Those things are going to also take a hit, just like everything that includes superheroes. It wouldn't. It wouldn't just be like, okay, movies are gone. That's all that like just movies were affected. No, it affect everything. Of course, is that that's how that would go. Um, I think there's been a diversification of products. Like I don't think that, and you know I don't know the balance sheets, but I would I would assume that the amount that they're putting out from a toy perspective hasn't changed. It's probably continued to grow. And now we're just seeing a larger swath of other 
toys or other brands or other entertainment companies enter the market i had you know typically you uh at least typically for merchandise you'll see it grow laterally you'll get a bigger selection but the individual sales grow smaller they continue to grow but they grow at smaller increments so i i think if anything i don't i don't see it having a negative effect i think it'll just affect the growth it'll probably be slower it wouldn't necessarily stop or fall so you're saying that if superhero movies stop being popular that the other sections would not see an impact i think the um, yeah i think i think across the board it'll continue to grow it's just whether or not the speed at which they grow um happens faster or slower so i think other the the other let's say characters outside of warner brother characters would probably see an increase in the speed at which they're growing but um for DC, it'd probably be a slowing of how much they're growing. I think, to Kale's point, right, because the next year is always about profitability and getting that to that next earnings. You're you're always seeing, almost always seeing, a upward trajectory. It's just about how fast you're getting to that point. Hmm. Uh, all right. Well, Alan Moore. Uh, around the Comics Pals parts, if we're encompassing chat plus Marco, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, Heard it here first. We're, we're accusing you. Come on the show and t- talk to us. I ain't saying, I'm not putting that out there to that man. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to wake up with like a, a snake head or some shit. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't challenge Alan Moore uh alan moore's wisdom uh ultimately you know we have seen the industry uh struggle over the last you know period of time last few years uh yes i know that sales went up dramatically during the pandemic but the sales of pretty much everything did because people had expendable income and now when you look at these same uh, figures and when you speak to um, uh, shop owners and things like that, we see the effects uh, that are being had now where sales are going down, uh, rising prices. I mean, you know, <laughs> are you going to make a profit on an eight ninety nine comic book? Yeah, of course. But you that's because you can sell that comic book to just one person and it would make the same amount of money as if it cost half the price and two people bought it, right? So they're doubling the price and cutting one person out of, you know, buying that book. Um, So that's where we're at with the industry. And I don't personally feel like an industry in that situation can sustain a blow like the films no longer being something that people care about. I do think that there has been a wagon hitching that's occurred. Uh, Not on the part of the creators or anybody, but the people who make the big decisions at these publishers, but also above them. Um, And that concerns me greatly. 
You know, it wasn't even a year ago where we were very concerned about the future of DC as a whole um, because of the fact that they might get sold. We were worried about that. We did at least one episode about it. So um, I have concerns, but I hope that they're not... Uh, I, I do hope that they're they're unfounded. I'm positive. I think we'll make it. I've never been positive. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's hit a couple of comments before we move on uh, Jeffrey Groom says comics may be the original point but is there something wrong with things like video games now carrying the torch a little things like Arkham for Batman or the new Spider-Man may be the medium now uh, I think it's it's the same you know kind of uh, diversification that we've seen where Hey, you know, Spider-Man is super popular in the films and television and comics. Yeah, there should be a video game. And yeah, it's going to be huge. Um, that makes sense to me. But, you know, Spider-Man 1, you know, Sony's Marvel Spider-Man 1, I'm pretty sure was the best-selling uh, Spider- or video game for the PlayStation 4 that was ex- an exclusive game to PS4. That's probably bumped by the fact that there's Spider-Man movies at the same time that people are watching. If there aren't, I don't think that Spider-Man beats God of War and Uncharted and these other super popular uh, game IP that, that Sony has. I think there's a connection between the films being so hot and the video games and other things that aren't comics being so hot. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know that they're gonna be the medium, but I think they're taking it. They're they're taking advantage of the fact that it's in the zeitgeist and, um, you know, the there's a a name recognition there that probably helps to boost sales. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to hit a question from. I can't even find it anymore. But someone asked. Oh, there we go. ICVP906 Rajas O, which is a name I haven't seen, so welcome, asks, why did you stop posting the drafts? The only reason I subbed. It's very unique. Plus, you can do, like, auctions as well. Well, uh, we do the drafts every single week right here on the Comics Pals main show. Stay out there, baby. Yeah, they're here. Uh, So you can watch them if you want to. We stopped posting the separate videos because you guys weren't supporting them so if you want to watch the draft right here hit that like button yeah hit the like button get us to the draft and you will absolutely see one i guarantee it 100 percent. damn we're already at 21 yeah good yeah you guys know the drill um any other comments you wanted to shout out Uh, Jeffrey says that the Sony Spider-Man was a mild story too, which I think the, uh, while I think the movies always creates awareness, the strength of the games carries themselves, which I was something I was going to point out too with Spider-Man was, um, even if, and I think this might've been the case with like the Spider-Man two game way back in the day. Um, even if the films weren't coming out, the strength of those games, you know, alone, eventually they would, you know, 
climb the charts. Would they would they top God of War? Would they, you know, I'm not sure, but I think they would stand the test of time. Hmm. Yeah, and, and, and games are certainly judged by their own metric. All I was talking about yeah. was just that simple fact of, yes, it would still be popular. Would it have been the best-selling PS4 exclusive? Right. That right. I don't know about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. With that. So, thank you guys for sticking with us. We have a lot more show to do. I want to uh, show some thanks and some gratitude to some of the fine folks who support us over on patreon.com slash the comics pals where you are always getting banged for your buck because we love to uh, show love to those who show us love. And so um, we put up a, an exclusive show over there called Palling Around where we just have a, a good time shooting the breeze about the things that we feel like discussing. Um, and it's always a great time. We put out a newsletter every single week, giving you guys a, a closer look at, you know, the things that we're interested in and um, and the things that we want to write about or make videos about. In this case, Tyler put up a, a ranking for the uh, Pokemon starters, a Pokemon oh. starter uh, tier list. Don't a completely it. trash video, by the way. <laughs> really? Expect a response. Mudkip in C? <laughs> War Turtle in C? Where? Get out of here. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's disrespect. Can you can you imagine if Pete were still I here? I knew you would say that, and what? absolutely, <laughs> he would have raged. <laughs> he would have raged. Uh, Top Lane says Spider Man for PS4 is a better game than God of War. I mean, that's an opinion. I don't agree with that. That's an opinion. Um, uh, I disagree because I've never played God of War, so suck on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's not all you get because patrons get a shout out right here a nickname and a shout out on this very show Thunderstruck Rebecca Alejandro and Hound of Justice Atomic Hound special shout out to you guys being the best pals in the universe and of course thank you to the Night Stalker Harris Najinsky Brian Demolisher Del Pozo Kefis the Incorruptible Momentum Mike Elliott, Starcross Catherine Stars, Dan the Truth Trudeau, Joel Justice, Jalen the Sanguine Sorcerer, Neon Knight, Cosmic Avenger, Super Shenran the Conqueror, and Marvelous Mike and Mackenzie. You guys are fantastic. Thank you so much for all the support. We really appreciate you. If you want to watch this show live, which, as we mentioned, is the place where you can catch the draft and all the other fun things that we do. It's every single Saturday at 10.15 a.m. Eastern. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern for Pals Pulls, which you can vote in the listener pick poll and influence the books that we read by heading on over to youtube.com slash thecomicspals, hitting the community tab, and casting your vote. Right now, Birds of Prey is winning the poll. Birds of Prey number two. Uh, X-Men 20. Yeah. X-Men number 27 is just behind that with 31% of the vote. Mm. And my pick, I'll expose it, my pick, The Sacrificers, is at 24%. Sacrificers number three. Can we bump that up? No, I already voted for Birds of Prey. Oh, I voted for Massive. I would have been very happy if The Sacrificers beat it. Um but I'm going to need you guys to vote for Birds of Prey so X-Men doesn't get it. Wow. (laughs) 
X Men hater over well, here. Actually, I, yep, I don't want X Men to get it. I agree with that. In the final hour, I might have to. If listen, I want the sacrifices to win, but if that if that's not the wave, the wave becomes stop X Men. Yep. That's the kind of podcast it's become, where we just don't want to read X Men. <laughs> are we? Have we become anti mutant? Are we Orcus? Have we? Uh-oh. I'm asking. We, are we the problem now? <laughs> well, I think, I mean, X-Men is the problem. I think we're fine. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You guys are great. Chat, you're great. Thank you for the comments. We really appreciate them. Top Lane says, can we do a four-hour draft after the stream? Only reason I subbed. You know what? Just for you, Yes. Mac, every uh, every draft we do is four hours. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Join our Discord server. Come hang out with us over there. We're always having a lot of fun. Um, It's time to make an announcement. Oh, Uh uh-oh. Yeah, it's announcement time. Announcement? Yeah, announcement. I got an announcement. The announcement is regarding the future of the Comics Pals Book Club. Oh, oh okay. We do know about this. <laughs> Gotta start clearing these before the show. It was like the future of Kale on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so, as you guys know, we've been doing the book club since pretty much our inception. Uh, it's something that we have a lot of fun with, and uh, you know, you guys enjoy too. Patrons get to vote to determine which book we'll be discussing that month, Um, and uh, it's been working great. We want to take it to another level. We want to step it up a notch. And so, I'm making two announcements. The first one is that the very next book club episode will be focused on the winner of the Patreon book club poll, which was... The Long Halloween on the the October spooky Halloween-themed episode. It will be based on The Long Halloween, and it will take place on October 30th live. Get your spooky shit on. We're coming at you live. We will be doing a live book club for the first time in the history of the Comics Pals. It will be based on the long Halloween and we invite you to come join us because we want at the end of the episode to hear from you. We want to talk to you about the long Halloween live. So we'll do the book club and then we're going to have a talk back with you guys about your thoughts on not only the book, but our conversation about it. So that's October 30th live book club for the long Halloween. We'll talk about it a lot more going forward. We think it's going to be a lot of fun. Come join us for that. Catherine stars in the chat costume stream. You got it. I'm going to do it. I don't care about you. You jokers. <laughs> no, I won't be the joker for sure. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I, I won't be wearing a costume. Oh my God. I'm lame. I don't <laughs> I am lame. I don't disagree. I never claimed to be anything but that. Hey, um, fair enough. Uh, Dan Trudeau says I'm friends with a lot of mutants Well you consider me a friend right Uh oh Um, Uh -oh. 
<laughs> he said earlier, you don't, you guys don't hate mutants. You just really love regular people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's wild. Uh, we've got we've got some some listener comments to tackle, so. We're going to uh, shift. Oh, oh no, no, no. I'm sorry. No. Oh, you said two. Yeah, there were two. Yeah. Well, that that though the 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 two what announcements, the I don't Whoa. know how that just happened. <laughs> you saw that, right? Yeah, what? I didn't do that. I don't know how that what happened. What the hell? <laughs> Kill what? I don't know. I did it the other day too. I'm not I think you can What the hell? <laughs> That's nuts. Wait, can I do that too? I think it might be a new Mac feature. They just I can't did do a it. Uh, they just did a uh, an update, and um, Damn. I don't know what the. Oh! <laughs> How do I turn that off? Kale no. is, Kale's making some very cool things happen on the Zoom call right now. So if you're not watching, you can't see it. But like, he puts his thumbs up, and there are sparks behind him. That was just just caught us off guard. I don't even know. Can the chat see this? I don't even know if the chat can see it. Surely, yeah, we're okay. They can. Yeah, yeah, they can. Yeah. Okay. Can you do like a sad face? What happens? <laughs> I mean, that's that's my normal face. <laughs> <laughs> so Nothing. the other thing I want to talk about, though, is a little event called New York Comic Con. Oh. New York Comic Con will be taking place this year between October 12th and 15th. And your boys will be there. Well, unfortunately, three out of four of your boys. You know, yeah, kill. Tyler couldn't make it. Sorry, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be late. Right. <laughs> so, the way that works for us, um, because a lot of you are sort of have joined us within the last year, uh, the way that works for us is we go to Comic Con because we live in New York. Marco, uh, Tyler, and I live in New York, and we're gonna be doing a lot of content live or from the show floor uh there will be interviews with creators i mean when you if you guys look at the list of creators that are going to be at new york comic-con it is absolutely mind-blowing yeah stacked i'm going to rattle off some names that will be there i'm not saying these are people we will get but these will be people that will be there jeff johns rick remender dan slot tom king Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, James Tinian, Tula Lote. I've never seen her before. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Tula Lote is going to be there. Yeah. Oh, it's super a, cool. Going to get a – damn. It, the, the biggest thing, aside from planning who to interview, is who do I get a sketch of from this year? Damn, dude. I was thinking about it because I've never done it before. It's so expensive. Yo, just like give him, just throw three hundred bucks at him. Excuse me, money bags. <laughs> just throw three hundred bucks at them. Marco, Marco goes so hard about tax write-offs because he's got all this money. That's the only way he can get them. <laughs> Dude, what did I tell you? This is the only beast toy I have. This is, or rather, this is the only toy I have, and it was given to me by Tyler. Do you know why? Because I spent so much damn money on comics. I can't afford to give Tula Lote $300 because I just spent fucking $300 on Ultimate Invasion. Yep. I can't do it. The X-Men cost too much. I, I, I've spent $300 on X-Men books this year. Alone. Yep. Alone. Yep. It's unreal. 
Um, but yeah, so we plan to have a lot of fun at New York Comic Con, and we hope that you guys will join us for that. Uh, for those of you who will be there at the event, we would love to hang out. Uh, we'll be very busy, but if you see us, feel free to come up and say hello if that's your thing, if you're cool with that. Uh, we're comfortable with fist bumps. We're comfortable with, you know, general hellos. Um, and who knows, if there are enough of you that reach out beforehand, maybe we'll set up some kind of meetup or something like that. Oh, that could be cool. Yeah. Hmm. So if you have plans of being at New York Comic Con, just hit our line. We're happy to happy to set stuff up. So well, that's interesting. Uh, Toppling in the chat said they're doing digital tickets for the show. Mm-hmm. Oh. What does that mean? Probably just uh, a stream, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like uh, the dome, the fan dome thing. Oh, gotcha. Like where you get to watch the live, um, you know, panels and jazz like mm-hmm. that. I would mm-hmm. imagine. There's probably some kind of swag associated with it as well. Um, But if you won't be there live, our social medias are going to be blowing up with stuff. You'll see pictures of us. You'll see cosplay, snippets of our interviews potentially. And if we're really good at our jobs, you might even be able to watch interviews that we did that day on YouTube.com slash The Comics Pals that day. And listen, we only recently got good at our jobs, but like we got real good at our jobs. Production output's good. So New York Comic Con is going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Chat, tell us which cosplay we should be on the lookout for. I am making it my mission this year for the first time ever to take a picture with every single Jean Grey that I see. Nice. That's what I'm going to try to do. Okay. You're going to get four pictures. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm going to get 400 pictures. No, I see Jean Grey's all the time. I just never, first of all, I don't have time to stop them. But also, like, do I want to stop every Jean Grey? I haven't before. I'm going to try this year. All right. Good content. I hate stopping people to ask if I can take a picture of their costume. It feels so weird. <laughs> it does. Toplin says, avoid every single Batman who laughs. I'm going to take a picture of every single Batman who laughs just for you, Toplin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, you got, you're got you going to have to pick one. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot. Uh, I'm going to stop my I'm gonna stop my Tom King interview mid-talk mid because I'm going to need to take a picture with the Batman who laughs. Tom, Tom, two seconds. I'll be right back. Tom, <laughs> shut up, please. Hendrick Perry in the chat says, y'all should try and draft a team of five based on cosplays you find. For the- That is a brilliant idea. Oh, that's, that's so not good. bad. That is a brilliant idea, bad. Hendrick Perry. You, you know what you just did? You just made yourself you, or made that comment the comment of the of the week. That's the best comment of this stream. I love can it. We, and you, and you, also gave us, you also gave us content for yeah. uh, you know, the week after Comic-Con. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's less mental uh, mental stress I, I have to uh, exert. But let's let's shift gears because we've got some listener comments to get to. Uh, whoops, that's not the slide I wanted. Uh, we have some listener comments to get to. Ta- uh, Kale, do you have those ready? You want to read them? I sure do, and I'm Kale. Uh, Joel <laughs> Justice on YouTube says, I think a Jonathan Hickman's Spider-Man book will be great. I think Spider-Man needs a big change, so it's great to see that happening in Ultimate Spider-Man number one. 
I think the Marco Cicchetto art will also be good for the series because Mark uh, Marvel typically picks the same artist time and time again for Spider-Man. So I'm glad that the art will be different than a Bagley or a Romita Jr. Oh, your, your mouth of God's ears. <laughs> I think Cicchetto's art provides a lot for the Ultimate Universe. So overall, I'm excited for the new Ultimate Spider-Man series. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I remember being, we chatted a little bit about it being down, or I think in chat at least while I was there. Uh, yeah. Uh, hype that you're excited for it, bud. I'm, I'm pretty hyped for, uh, for Ultimate Spider-Man. I think Ultimate Spider-Man from Hickman and Chiquetto, that is a tremendous creative team. I think uh, uh, Chiquetto can definitely draw Spider-Man very, very well, uh, as we've seen many times before. And Hickman can write Spider-Man. We don't know which, you know, what human or otherwise will be in the costume. But uh, I think with a creative team that solid, you really can't go wrong. So I'm more excited for that than Ultimate Universe number one. For sure, which we're going to talk about shortly. Yeah, yeah. Classy asking the big questions. Hope Chad Paul is in the Spider-Man comic. <laughs> yes, yes. Chad Chad Paul should become the new like major supporting character. Like I want, like you know how Jimmy Olsen's got like a solo series every now and then. Yeah. And so, I want Chad Paul comics and and series. Oh, all he does is like expensive dinners with superhero wives or partners. That's his whole thing. Yeah, he cock blocks every single superhero. Yeah, <laughs> men, women, it doesn't matter. And he's just a genuinely like good guy. Like he's legit, yeah. just a good dude. But he's definitely taking your wife out. He yeah, might even take yeah. your man out. Yep. Absolutely. And then when when they when they get home from the date, you know the partner's like, "Hey, how come you can't be more like Chad?" Chad takes me out to the ballet. Yep. <laughs> Chad Paul, I'm I'm coining it now. Chad <laughs> Paul is every Marvel wife's emotional friend. Oh, the one that that they run to and be like, you know, it's just it's just been really tough recently, and I, I just I don't. Is like, you got to sit down? You got to have a good conversation with him. Like really, re like really reassuring hand on the uh, on the shoulder. And what's worse is he's different for every wife. <laughs> so for Mary Jane, you know, he's Chad Paul, and he's Chad Paul as we know him. But for Sue Storm, he's Namor. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. And he tells he tells uh, he tells Jessica Jones, "Listen, Luke's busy. He's the mayor now. You know, it's hard for him, but it's all right. I'm here. I don't mind hanging out with you and the baby. It's okay. We can go to the park together." We can put the Listen. baby down for a nap, and then you and I, I mean, we can just Netflix and chill. No big deal. And your needs are valid, you know? <laughs> Yo. Oh, man. Chad Paul, the emotional friend. <laughs> the emotional cuck. <laughs> Marvel 2024, next event. Hell yeah. Uh, hit that next one for me, Kale. You got it. Langston Brown on YouTube. Great episode. Thanks. Do you gents know of any comics where the villains you guys didn't rank at the top have great stories? So he's referring to the DC 
villains ranking that you guys did uh, a couple of weeks back. And he's asking which villains weren't in the top echelon, the upper echelon, mm. uh, that actually also have great stories that people should be aware of. <clears throat> um, do you guys, does anything jump out to you? Uh, so I'm looking at it now. I actually queued up the final um, mm. tier. Uh, I could send it to you guys in the Discord real quick. I got it. Oh, you do? Okay. Um, <clears throat> um, I've never, I don't think I've ever read a, a Mr. Mixelspitalik story. Um, is Emperor Joker run by him? Do you guys know the old Superman Batman I title? I never read that. Um, that's the only one that comes off the top of my head. Um, but um, you have uh, we have Doctor Light and Maxwell Lord. There, I would say um, Identity Crisis, mm. uh, which Maxwell Lord isn't in, but the um, you know leading up to uh, Infinite Crisis from Identity Crisis to Infinite. Um, there's a, a really good sort of turn for Maxwell Lord where he um, is like revealed to be a, a pretty massive villain despite being uh, like a a really intense um, background character and, and, and helper figure uh, in the 80s. Mm. Uh, and Dr. Light, like I said, Identity Crisis, nothing since then really, but Uh, first of all, I looked, I, I, I had the, the full, I had it full screen, the episode where you guys discussed this and then I mm. unfull screened it and the whole chat was saying, you know, kite man S tier and things like that. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, what the hell's going on? Um, no kite man is not S tier. Y'all crazy. Y'all crazy. <laughs> I think just to, just to answer the question real quick, I think you can look to the one, the one bad day books for some oh, yeah. of the Batman villains like I think the Clayface yeah. one was great Bane one was cool the Riddler one was probably the most celebrated of them all uh, the Penguin one was solid um, I think that Peacemaker tries hard which is an ongoing or a, a limited series that's happening right now yeah. by Kyle Starks that's pretty good mm. um, I think uh, Ultraman to me was great in Forever Evil I love that book um. So yeah, there are, there are quite a few. Uh, the Rachel Ghoul one bad day was particularly good as well. Uh, you've also got Blackhand in uh, in in the F tier. Uh, but you know he was the uh, the spark for um the Lantern. Yeah, Bl War. Blackest Night. No, Blackest Night. Thank you. Oh, um, yeah. but the, the Lantern War, you know, altogether is also a massive great event mm -hmm. uh solomon grundy you're probably looking at stuff like similar to the long halloween um you're gonna want to look at sort of stuff that has like a nostalgic angle to it mm. um, because i don't know that there's been a good um solomon grundy story in the past 40 years <laughs> well 
speaking of Solomon Grundy, he was one of the best parts of Forever Evil. Okay. His relationship with go. Lex. Those were the those were my answers. Marco, did you have anything? As you as you uh as you invade the chat as Marco's minute, created a whole new YouTube account. That's crazy. That's not me. Stop it. That's not me. Uh, the only thing that the only. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. C.W. Could... Gordon's right. That was Bizarro. My fault. You're right. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, Marco. I can only speak to Anton Arcane, uh, and it's going to be Rot World, which is that Scott Snyder, Yannick Paquette. It's pretty good. Uh, crossed over with New 52 uh, characters like Frankenstein and Animal Man. And then the other one would be uh, his run, his second run in during the Alan Moore uh, series, and that was phenomenal stuff. We covered it for a book club a few years, uh, a few years back at this point. So if you want to go check that out in that discussion, but otherwise, those are probably like the the two big stories with him. He has some pop ins otherwise. Hmm. Yeah, so I mean that's 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 a, a pretty solid list to start with, and I'm sure that if we really really put our heads together, we could probably rattle off something for almost every one of these characters. But um, I think that's a good place to start. Except Giganta. And and what happened to Hush? Hush wasn't on this list. Damn. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, he only did a few. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess like you can't each... have everybody. Yeah, <laughs> you know, as the as the whole thing took an hour and a quarter. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of hours, we're in. Uh, we're we're quickly reaching our second one. So let's let's move forward and talk about some new information that we got about uh, the Ultimate Universe. And unfortunately, I don't have a slide for that. So, uh, we'll have to live without it. So this past Thursday, we reviewed Ultimate Invasion number four, and uh, we won't spoil it. If you haven't gotten the chance to read it, that's cool. No worries. Uh, we weren't thrilled with it, to say the that's least. That's fair. Yeah. But it is over, and the next thing that we're getting is Ultimate Universe number one. And we speculated about what it could be, you know, what uh, what we could expect from you know, from this uh, new series. That's what we thought. But now we actually have more information because just yesterday, the news came out that Ultimate Universe number one is actually a one-shot. Huh? Yep. Wild. Yep. Gonna pay 10 bucks for a one-shot? Uh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Well... Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's seven dollars. I don't have the price in front of me. Yeah, it's seven dollars. Okay. Um, so so seven ninety nine or six ninety nine? Six ninety nine. Okay. <laughs> six ninety nine. And so we know that. And then on the cover of the book, uh, we've got Thor. We've got Captain America, Sif. So we've got two Asgardians there, which is interesting. Uh, how do I how do I say who these characters are without spoiling what happened in Ultimate Invasion? The other two, I can't. I can't. Uh, Iron Man, I mean, yeah, and Doom, ostensibly, Doom. yeah, yeah. That's Doom. the team. 
Um, Does that feel weird for an ultimate book? So that so that's the key question, right? Is these characters themselves weird? Yes. Mm. Why are they together? Is this the ultimates? We don't even know. It could be. Doom. You'd have you didn't did you get to read it? The last issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 but but like. Because uh, I don't have context for like where he exi- he would exist in the larger Ultimate Universe. If you read the last issue, then you should know exactly who this is and why this makes sense. Because he's in it, and we know who he is. I, I don't. I just don't. I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah it- Doom was in the old universe, but not this Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I guess to sort of answer your question in a roundabout way, yes, it's weird that Doom would be on it on the Avengers essentially. In, in general, sure. yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys think this is the Ultimates? No. Um it feels too disparate. Hmm. I think it might be the start of it, uh, but I, I don't think it will be the one. Because, sorry, Marco, go ahead. No, no, go for it, go for it. The other cover that we saw had characters in silhouette. And yeah. we saw Thor, we saw Iron Man, we saw Cap, but we also saw two other characters who looked to me like a Spider-Man, probably a Black Panther, yeah. um, and maybe someone else. But they're not here. We don't see them here. And the preview pages that we got, which are pretty cool and you should check them out, um, they don't show them either. So, I, I, frankly, I'm left almost as confused as I was when I read Ultimate Invasion number four by this list of characters. Um, I am not any more excited about this now that I know it's a one shot than I was before. What I can say though, is that the art is absolutely phenomenal. This is 100% in my mind, the best that we have ever seen from Caselli. He's on fire. Yeah, this is good stuff. Yeah. Like, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm sorry I don't have an image for you guys, but uh, it, it does look great. I encourage you to go, you know, look for yourselves um, as you as you hear this. It comes out November 1st, so we do have, a you know, another month to wait. But, man, this being a one-shot just sunk my sails. It doesn't feel like they're committing hard to certain things, like to certain ideas. And... If if <laughs> it doesn't feel like they're committing, yeah, yeah, <laughs> full stop. <laughs> and and that's a shame because if it, uh, again, like I've not experienced the ultimate universe, but from people in the Discord, people in chat, from you guys, just like that osmosis, um, there's a, such a 
a love and nostalgia for it mm-hmm. that this doesn't feel like it's servicing even the crowd that it would need to. Yeah. Yeah. At best, this feels like a, a Jonathan Hickman cult, uh, a Hickman cult follower, you know? Even that, like, a one-shot? Yeah, that's that's uh, unfortunate. It really is. Um, I don't get it. Harris says, might be the ultimate Illuminati. I feel like we saw the ultimate Illuminati at the end of Ultimate Invasion. Um, at least that's my perception of what that was, but it could have, I mean, that doesn't mean it's right. The... Um... The the council of um, uh, country yeah. heroes or whatever, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Which, if you've read any issue of Ultimate Invasion, you've seen them. Uh, Dan says, "Just get to the real books already." I kind of agree. Yeah, and 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 I think I said this on the review. It 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 feels like that's what they should have done instead of Ultimate Invasion, where you have to lead in with this you know, introduction of the maker and, you know, yeah. Why not just jump in? Yeah. Let me, let me live. Let me experience the universe so I can understand like how I should live in it and then give me the, you know, the Hickman level stuff. Context later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As it is, this is the most expensive, uh, entry ever. Go. All this money for ultimate invasion. Now we got to get ultimate universe just to get started with Ultimate Spider-Man, and we don't even know what the hell else is coming. So That's so right. that means that the only actual series we know about is Ultimate Spider-Man. Yep. Yeah. Series specifically, yeah. yeah. And if then if they're not committing, if this has become a one-shot and they're not committing, is that going to be a mini? Like, Is it confirmed uh, it's going to be an ongoing? Uh, I don't think it's been confirmed that it's not, which leads me to believe that it probably is, even if they baton pass to yeah. another creative team down the sure. road. Okay, sure. Um, top lane says, Peter Parker can't be Spider-Man since the maker stopped him from becoming that. It has to be Miles. So you're right about the Peter part. I agree with you on Miles, but Tyler did bring up the fact that you know, technically, it could be some other person. Um, I don't think that that would be smart, but it is possible. I think it's most likely Miles. Hmm. And I think that that's something that Miles needs is a Hickman-level creator working on that book. That will give Miles the, the proper bump. The problem is, in my mind, it can't be the Miles that we know. The Miles we know and love is in... You know, the, the 616. Yeah. This is going to be a new, you know, it'll be Miles, but it'll be some version of him that exists over here. Jeffrey Groom makes a good point. It could be Nightcrawler. <laughs> he didn't say that. Oh, okay. I was going <laughs> to say, That's not what he said. <laughs> he said, uh, I feel like with Peter and Miles, we have enough Spider-Man. They literally murked my boy Ben Riley just to clean up the spiders. <laughs> I love the idea that it could be Ben Riley. I love in, that idea. In the in the universe, in the ultimate yeah, universe. it doesn't make a lick of sense because he's a clone of Peter Parker. Right. 
And if Peter Parker's not Spider-Man, why make a clone of Peter Parker? Clone of Miles? But I think Hickman is big brain enough to pull that off. It's Ben Riley from 616 got sucked into this new Ultimate Universe, and he's now their Spider-Man. Lost his memory yeah. again. <laughs> his, 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 his memory of being Chasm is so uh, gone already. He's just like, oh, no, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah. Now. Hey, thank you so much to the 20-plus of you that are watching us live right now. Huge shout-out to you guys. Make sure you hit that like button. I'm setting the likes goal to 30 now. How about that? We crushed Ooh. it before at 25. Let's do 30. I know we can get there, and we will absolutely do a draft. Um, November 1st for this. The interiors look fantastic. I'm curious, as ever, with what Jonathan Hickman is going to do. But, man, we got to get somewhere because Ultimate Invasion was the biggest buzzkill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just get bring us along for the ride. Don't like leave us at the station. You know, like they they keep teasing out the next thing that's coming out, and I don't know. It's getting frustrating. Yeah. Tyler also said Black Panther would be another person. Listen, I didn't say Tyler was right. Tyler, that I don't I don't need a shirt that says Tyler is right. Okay, I would not commission that. I don't think that that's appropriate. But Tyler does say things. And this is just another thing he said, and maybe it'll Listen, be right. We can, we can all agree on that. <laughs> Kale has a better chance of being Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. As you guys know, the Writers Guild of America... And SAG have been on strike for some 150-some-odd days or whatever it was. But that strike has now officially come to the end for the writers. Because they got a deal that they were happy with. And the writers have agreed tentatively pending... Well, I don't know if it's still pending, but it was pending the language of the agreement being exactly matching what the, you know, what was laid out. Yeah. A new deal has been struck. Hmm. 146 days, by the way. Damn. That's not the longest, right? Strike. Uh, I want to say it's longer than the 2008 strike. Oh, I thought it was shorter. Shorter? Okay. I'm, I thought, yeah, I might I thought be the. I thought the 2001 or the 2008 one was 150. Okay. Yeah. So you might be right about that. Um, it la- Well, it lasted from November 5th to February 12th. Mm. Um, 2008? Yeah. And it seems like the, the 2008 one was 100 days. Oh, okay. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that would tell me that this is probably the longest strike. Ever? Uh, it looks like in eight, 1988, it was 154 days. Okay. Oh, so right. just shy. Yep. Wow. Just Still. Shy. Yeah. But you know what that does? Uh, you saying that, Marco, is it it, 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 it brings um, context to the fact that, you know, this is this feels crazy and, and, and horrible, but it's not new. 
and it wasn't mm. new even in 2008. And it's been worse than this one in the one that you illuminated. So that's, that's you know, that's sad, but this is what has to happen to get respect and to get, you know, the proper earnings. This is why strikes occur. It's interesting that it's every seemingly almost 20 years. 88, 08, well, 23, but still only five years shy. And you know what? Maybe it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the rapid acceleration of technology that, I mean, with streaming and AI. Those are the things that really forced the the necessity of a strike. Word, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So, of course, we're very happy for this. I'm going to read a little bit from the statement that was provided to the members of the WGA. Um, Dear members, we have reached a tentative agreement on a new 2023 MBA, which is to say an agreement in principle on all deal points subject to drafting final contract language. What we have won in this contract, most particularly, everything we have gained since May 2nd, is due to the willingness of this membership to exercise its power, to demonstrate its solidarity, to walk side by side, to endure the pain and uncertainty of the past 146 days. It is the leverage generated by your strike in concert with the extraordinary support of our union siblings that finally brought the companies back to the table to make a deal. We can say with great pride that this deal is exceptional with meaningful gains and protections for writers in every sector of the membership. That's beautiful. Yeah. Hell yeah. That is absolutely brilliant. Uh, so what did they gain? We know that they gained the fact that AI cannot write, cannot be used independently to write scripts. Writers are allowed to use AI if they choose to, but they cannot be forced to use AI for their scripts in any form or fashion. Uh, we know that they got a... Uh, uh, larger writing rooms, like a minimum. I believe there was a minimum size. I don't know what yeah. the minimum was, but there's a minimum size, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I believe there was also language in there about a minimum episode count for comedies, something of that nature. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll find the exact uh, the exact things that they gained here in a moment, but um, they gained a lot. They seem very happy. Residuals also for streaming uh, that would be based on the number of streams. We don't know if those numbers will be made public, but somehow, some way, the Writers Guild will be made aware and writers will be compensated based on actual data. Yeah, that that's what's important. They might not be public like to us. Right. But to the Writers Guild and, you know, the I, I imagine the industry at large, yeah, that data will be visible. Yep. Yeah. Um so I have uh some of the other pieces here. Um interestingly they have the minimum in addition to the minimum uh number of episodes for comedies, they also have in general minimum pays for each episode so 9k for a half hour episode about 16 for a one hour episode so you're guaranteed at the very least that baseline for uh, that contribution yeah it's really interesting i love it 
I love it. Um, this is this was necessary. You know, some of the data that we saw coming out about um, rider pay was really scary. Even yeah. actor pay, actor pay was scary. Forget about like Robert Downey Jr.'s of the world. Think yeah. about the thousands and thousands and thousands of working actors who aren't on that level. Yeah, that's most actors, right? Um, uh-huh. Now they have. Well, the the actors are still working their stuff out, but from the writer's end, who are treated like garbage, um, they're now going to have more skin in the game, more bang for their buck, or more buck for their bang. Yeah, more buck for their bang. Um, and I'm excited by that. More muck for their bang? Muck bangs? I, I didn't say muck. You're doing muck bangs? No, that, that sounds nasty. It's good content. <laughs> How do you know? You, I mean, oh. I heard of, I mean, oh, I heard of a... oh, you know how he knows. <laughs> you, you haven't heard of a mukbang? No. I'm going to keep saying it because it sounds gross. And listen, it might we might get a little extra bump off that. <laughs> um, people not getting residuals from streaming was borderline criminal. Yeah, I completely yeah, agree. Absolutely. And, you know, we know that these these uh, these studios don't give a shit. I said, and I still stand by the fact that some of these executives have disdain for creative people. Yeah. I think if they could replace writers with with AI and no one would notice, they would 150 million percent do that. Yeah. I'd do it on this show. Swap me out for Marco 2.0. What would be the difference? Yep. That's what I'm saying. It's it's good quality, good fidelity. All bullshit anyway. Uh, see, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was. I think I was going to read that. <clears throat> uh, hopefully, I was going to read the same CW <laughs> Gordon comment. You are uh, cynical. View is this going to mean services will be pulling slash vaulting stuff more often? Mm, I, what I've heard is potentially this means increased prices for content. I don't know about pulling or removing. I'm assuming stuff like by the content itself. Increased prices on the consumer's part? Correct. That's the way to that that they mitigate, you know, on, on their end. If the, the costs get passed along, even though there's probably a pool of money that they could allocate to this, but instead it becomes a maintain that profitability, you push it down down funnel to the consumer. So we're probably gonna see increases in the costs associated with movies. Um, as well as with streaming services. Which, by the way, is already happening. It's been happening all year. You know why? Because these studios have come to the conclusion that streaming services are not profitable, which we already knew. And so every streaming service is raising their prices. If you'll notice, they've all added... uh, Add tiers, add add supported tiers, which are not free, um, and they're also not necessarily that cheap. Yep. Uh, they're all cracking down on password sharing, which Netflix kicked off, and now they're all doing it. Yep. I just saw an article that Disney Plus is planning on on starting that up. November. Yeah. So, the streaming service era of oh wow, it's so amazing! I can just pay ten dollars a month and I can watch 
Dawson's Creek all day long. Those days are over without ads and blah, blah, blah. That's done. They're going to maximize the profits of these because now the financial people are saying, whoa, you guys have been getting this for for the cheap. I read an article the other day where uh, one of the financial guys I think was for Max said that we've been getting these this uh, uh, prop these properties for way below market value. Damn. I don't think the days of streaming services being each $20 a month are that far away. And frankly, at that point, uh, there's been conversation about bundles because uh, ironically, it's going the way of cable TV where, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to get the I'm going to get the Wii bundle. I get my Crunchyroll. I get my Hulu and I get potentially my Netflix, but that excludes maybe an HBO Max or I'm going to get the whatever tier. And, you know, you, you add on X number of streaming services to it. Because uh, that's going to be one of the ways to, uh, at least for the consumer, make it feasible again. Yeah, and and the, and at that point, it's like, why did we cut the cord in the first place? Yeah, dude. I, I genuinely, I had the thought. I think I was I was listening to the, uh, to the daily when they were talking about this, and I had the thought. I'm like, what am I missing on TV? Could I should I get, should I think about getting TV again? Can I, the fact that that crossed my mind, I had to stop and take a step back. I was just like, holy shit, we're in a downward trajectory. I mean, here in the UK, you know, a lot of people still have, you know, the streaming services and stuff. But, you know, the BBC and Channel 4 and ITV are all putting out top tier content. You know, and some of it they do put on their streaming service, you know, behind like a paywall or whatever. But eventually it comes out and comes out on TV. Right. So you're not missing anything. Presumably, right, yeah. And recently ABC actually aired the the whole Miss Marvel show. Yep. Wait, what? Yeah. Yep. Are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. Whoa. Um, and you know, that makes sense to me. Frankly, I don't really understand why shows are exclusive to streaming services. I don't get how you think you're going to put all these millions of dollars into a show and then, you know, not air it. You're not going to make your money back on streaming. It's just, I don't get how they even thought that would be possible, but that's the world we're living in. That's you know, that's what they thought, and now we're paying the price for their foolishness. Well, they they thought that because Netflix lied about it. That's true. You know? I mean, but it's an interesting model where now you make, like, like let's say a Netflix, or, or actually not even, let's use the same example, right? Disney made the product, got their revenue with their the whatever amount of people uh, streamed for that given time frame. Maybe they won new acquisitions, whatever. But then they can license that stuff out to TV. So they, they're double dipping off of what they would have done because now they're, they're going to put it out into the wild on TV, get potential rat revenue from those ads. And then let's say it's really, really successful. Then they can syndicate it at will. Damn. Yeah. And that's that's great. I think that that's I think that that's fantastic. Obviously, um, you know, Netflix doesn't necessarily have 
a way to do that. They don't have their own channel. Um, I guess they could theoretically license stuff out, but you know, the nature of the way they produce their shows is that sometimes they don't make sense for television. And that's a factor as well. Television shows and streaming shows don't even necessarily always feel the same. There's no built-in ad break for streaming uh, shows. So there's like a whole can of worms and I would hate to watch a show and watch it on streaming and feel the, the ad break, um, wall being hit and then not actually encounter it. Um, it's a whole thing. The point is that the writers won the day and I'm very grateful for that back to work. Yeah, definitely. I, I, <laughs> you got paid. Let's go. Come on. I need my shit. I yeah. need, I need my fantastic four movie <laughs> by 2024 so I can win a bet. Let's go. Marvel. He said chop chop. Yes. And you know, it's not that they're, they don't want to do it. You know, they don't want to strike. <laughs> Right. Um, well, there was someone who was quiet for a while, you know, uh, due to the striking and everything that's been going on in solidarity. There's been a voice that we haven't heard too much from. But boy, the day that the strike ended, we sure did hear a lot from none other than James Gunn. Hey, who is I don't back? I feel like. I don't even feel like I didn't hear from him. <laughs> he is back to say many more things about the future of DC. James Gunn talked about how uh, Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes, would be a part of the new DCU. And he would be the first, what do you say, the first official character of the DCU? Something, something of that nature. Um, this was said many months ago before the movie came out. The, wasn't that the Creature Commandos? Y- yes, but also he, he made a comment about... Someone fact-checked me. He made a comment about Blue Beetle being the first character of the DCU, Superman being the first movie of the DCU, mm. and Creature Commandos being the first project of the DCU. Some kind of convoluted wackiness. Now, he has further uh, started to clarify where we're going. So he started by saying, um, quote, I don't even know where we are with everything, as I haven't been able to talk with our writers while this has been happening. Although I'm very happy with the outcome, the strike was a real wrench in the process for sure, so I'll have to see where we are on everything for the next couple of weeks. But yeah, I'd imagine more news out in the not-too-distant future. Uh, then he went on to say, nothing is canon. And by the way, these are all, this is all on social media. This is all in response to comments on social media. He goes on to say, nothing is canon until Creature Commandos next year, a sort of apartif to the DCU, and then a deeper dive into the universe with Superman Legacy after that. It's a very human drive to want to understand everything all the time, but I think it's okay to be folk to be confused on what's happening in the DCU since no one has seen anything from the DCU yet. And yes, some actors will be playing characters they played in other stories, and some plot points might be consistent with plot points from the dozens of film shows and animated projects that have come from DC in the past. But nothing is canon until Creature Commandos and Legacy. Motherfuck. Gal Gadot is coming back. 
But that, that comment, I guess it's not literally contradictory, but it sort of feels like it because he also said that the same actor who plays Blue Beetle will continue to play him, that Viola Davis will play Amanda Waller, that John Cena will play Peacemaker, and that Freddie Stroma, who played Vigilante in Peacemaker, will reprise that role as well. It feels like um, we've had this discussion in the Discord of like, this is what matters, but this is what's canon. And he's making a distinction to some degree, but it's confusing. And now I sympathize for new comics readers. Hmm. Yeah. It to me, as like no, I am not confused by this. Literally, I am not. My brain doesn't hurt trying to put this all together. But like Marco kind of alluded to, I've been reading comics for a long time. We all have. So we're used to this kind of craziness. But I don't know if the general movie-going audience is. And anecdotally, people in my life don't get this at all. They're very confused by all of this. The amount of people that have told me, oh, yeah, George Clooney is Batman again now, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I mean, were you taking that away from him in the first place? Huh. <laughs> it's just so. It's just so. It's so odd. And I. I. I think that someone in the chat said, oh, "Just say hard reset." I wish they would. Yeah. I wish they would just say it's a hard reset and we're done. Or just say nothing. I don't. I don't know. I. I just think how how hard is it to shut up? Shut <laughs> <laughs> <What> up! <laughs> Hendrick Perry says we have been retconned so much. We're we're not even sure our own past is real. Man, <laughs> right? It's just a it's just a weird state of affairs, and I, like I'm sure the movies and stuff are going to be great, but stop talking. Make announcements, like announce stuff if you have stuff. But other than that, you know your James Gunn. You know everything you say is going to be reported on. Yeah, you've said a lot, bro. A lot. Said a lot. I for one appreciate the updates. Um, let them keep going. I don't mind. I like to see the fervor build up. Keeping <laughs> us in business. <laughs> Yeah, Dan Trudeau says it's it's like Batman and Green Lantern keeping their status quo into the new fifty two. That was nutty. That that was very confusing because Nightwing was like twenty one yep. and Batman yep. was like twenty five. Yep, and it was easily one of the most frustrating parts of the new fifty two. And Damian Wayne was like ten or or, or or eleven or whatever. Like, wait, so Bruce Wayne had a child yep. at fourteen with Talia Al Ghul. Yep, when he was also Batman. <laughs> right when he was Batman. I feel like this is this is kind of like that. I think that's a great uh, that's a great analogy. Chillmonger says hard reset is what Feige did in two thousand eight, but they cast J.K. Simmons too. I think that's a very different situation. You're talking about yeah. Go ahead. Well, with that, um, you know, with the Spider Man example specifically, like they were playing with the 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 multiversal continuity. Yes, on purpose, and <laughs> also that's one specific actor 
who is directly associated with that specific role um, that they made an exemption for and, and because of what Kale said as well. So I think that's a lot different than saying I'm going to be arbitrarily picking who's sticking around and who's not and how much of their past is canon to this present and how much is not. And it's up to the whim of the writer what you know that's canon and what's not canon. Hey, he's getting paid more now, so he better make that distinction. <laughs> uh, Class Ulysses says, didn't fans complain about the higher-ups not taking talking to the fans about updates? Then James Gunn comes in and gives them updates. People are mad about it. Fans doesn't know what they want at this point. <laughs> well, I don't know who you're talking about, but we're the ones we're we're the ones in us in the seat right now saying it, and I don't need more information. I've never been, had. Go ahead. We've been saying day one, stop talking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I never have asked for more information about like what's going on with the MCU. Why? Because I just trust the ship. Like it is what it is. I don't care to know more information about the future. Kevin Feige doesn't sit around and talk about it. They let the movie speak for themselves, whether you like them or not. That's what I prefer. And I think that's a big part of what uh, the mess of the DCU and the DCFU has been. Yeah. You know, so all this talk of how things connect and don't worry about it. And it's just like, well, the Marvel doesn't do that. And it works because like you could be disappointed afterward, but you still have the product. Exactly. Exactly. In my mind, don't talk about it. Be about it. Don't talk. Don't uh, show. Don't tell. That's how I feel. But also, uh, Ulysses fans have never known what they want. So that is also true. And 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 you know, he says, "I'm happy James Gunn is giving updates. Good for you. That's awesome, dude. Uh, you know, this is just uh, our thoughts. Same. We'll be here to tell you about him because he keeps putting them out. <laughs> They'll be there. I'll be on the side of give me more. Oh, you want more James Gunn updates? Yeah, I love the I love the updates. It's not even news. Like, if it was news, you know, if it was facts about, you know, the upcoming movies and news about them and, like, okay, sure, show me, like, a set photo. Well, there's no set photo, but, like, yeah. I don't know. I like the hype. I like the excitement. Just just quickly, um, the the link to this Hollywood Reporter article that you uh, put in the show notes, it's literally, like, hollywoodreporter.com slash movie slash movie news. James Gunn, DC Universe, Zolo, uh, that guy's name, Viola Davis, and John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> they just fucking they just threw everything at the wall in that link. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't care. Uh, and while we're on the subject of movies, let's talk about a little movie called Miss Marvel. Or, I'm sorry, The Marvels. Uh... This is going to be the shortest MCU movie of uh, of all time in history. Oh, yeah? Women getting the short stick? Oh. That is the exact joke that I came in here to make, Marco. So No way! Yeah. <laughs> that is the exact one. My bad. No, you're good. You, you, you were quicker you're on right. the draw than I. You're right. I am good. <laughs> no, you're great. Okay. 
No. Okay. Because that's okay. <laughs> You're great. Okay. <laughs> Just take it as fact. Right. Um, so the Marvels is going to be an hour and 45 minutes. Oh. Which is shorter than the other two shortest movies ever from the MCU, which were Incredible Hulk and Thor The Dark World, which were each uh, just seven minutes longer than the Marvels will be. (laughs) The Marvels feels like probably the biggest uh, casualty as far as the films go of of the streaming service era of the MCU. Because the Marvels, and I I didn't want to call it that. Captain Marvel is a franchise character. There was a movie called Captain Marvel 1. In my mind, Captain Marvel 2 probably would have been, if there were no streaming services, probably would have been where we first would have met Kamala Khan. And it probably also would have been the place where we dealt with some amount of either secret invasion or a Kree Scroll War. Yeah. The Kree Scroll War is still potentially on the table, although it doesn't make any sense to me anymore to do that. But the secret invasion and Kamala Khan have both been dealt with elsewhere, fully fledged. And so the Marvels feels like it's left with scraps. And that's why the only thing they're promoting with this movie is how zany, wacky, and quirky it is and the fact that these three superheroes are going to be jumping uh, time and space when they use their powers, uh, switching switching places with each other. That's all they have to say. Because the story has already been used somewhere else. I don't know the truth to this. I only saw it sort of floating around, but... uh... I read somewhere that this film is going to technically be the sequel of five different films, five different properties. I I saw that same uh, that same comment. I mean, it's a sequel to Captain Marvel one. Yeah, it's a sequel to uh, uh, what's that show called? A uh, WandaVision, because that's where we first saw uh, Photon kind of. Oh, yeah, Monica. Yeah. That's right. It's a sequel to obviously the Miss Marvel television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I, I mean, you could say it's a, it's a sequel to like her journey post Endgame. Um, it's uh, like it's carrying that over. Go ahead. Secret yeah. Invasion, maybe. And Secret Invasion, yeah. probably because Nick Fury is in this. Sure. So yeah. Wild. Damn. That Insane. Up a lot of shit in an hour and forty. Yep. Yikes! Yikes! It's gonna be tough. It ain't wrapping it up. Uh... Well, I guess it is wrapping it up succinctly. Is, is it going to be wrapping it up well? Well, we'll see. And I think that those are the reasons why they're not even talking about the villain. The villain is a random Kree. Oh, that's right. With yeah, a that's... yeah, with, with that same like you know Ronan the Accuser. He has that that hammer. She's got yeah. one of those. It looks like a cheap toy. She's got an army of Kree. They're gonna fight you know the Marvels, and the Marvels will win, and that's that. Doesn't that sound like the first movie? Like, didn't she fight a Kree guy and a Kree army and win? And wasn't that it? Yeah. Yeah. There was more substance than that, I guess. But like. Thematically. Yeah. yeah. I'm blown away. 
I feel like hmm, I'm, I'm like thinking it through. It's not as attractive a movie. Um, frankly, Miss Marvel is the draw for me here. I love that series. I loved her. I love her energy and the moment, the pieces that you get to see of like some of the trailers. Those have been the fun parts, but I don't think it's gonna. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not gonna focus on her. It's gonna be about, um, you know, Captain Marvel. And so, I, I don't know where the draw is, especially if that's what we can sort of project the story is gonna be. Like, if we, if we can lay it all out. That's the story. We know it's tying a bunch of stuff together, and we're only gonna get uh, a little bit of Miss Marvel. Mm, not as excited. Right, she's going from being the, the the star of her own show, the vehicle of her own film, to sharing screen time with two other characters, one of whom, no, two of whom have not been in the movies yet. Because, yes, technically the character, Photon, was in Captain Marvel 1, but she was a kid. Right. Yeah. So they have to be further established. But by the way, they were established in Disney Plus shows. Did you watch them? No? Go fuck yourself then. Yeah. Yep. Right? Like, if you didn't see them, too bad for you. That doesn't, like, that's insane to me. That's not That's not the way to do this. And I'm so bummed out that this is the route that they have chosen to take. I think that Captain Marvel 2 had the potential to be a really great movie if it furthered her journey. Because I do think there's a journey. She has to come down. Yeah. You know, she's been up high for so long. She's alienated herself from humanity and, you know, people by going and being a hero elsewhere. She has to connect to humanity again and bring herself down and continue but at the same time, to be the hero of space, to be maybe the hero for the, the scroll or Kree, whichever side of the war she takes. You know, however they break that down. When instead, it seems like they're just making a fun movie uh, and including Miss Marvel and Photon because they don't have anything else to do. I don't know how good this movie is going to be or won't be. It could be great. It just feels like something's missing. And it, it feels like there are screwing every character involved frankly mm. you know miss marvel was that that show was an absolute phenomenon uh better than any any other uh disney plus series you know i i have yet to hear a bad thing about that show and then and then you've got Brie Larson who when you look outside of you know the the actual film narrative has been screwed over every time uh they've decided to to even talk about captain marvel yeah it's, it's just a massive fuck you and is this is part of the the new phase the newest phase yeah um phase four or whatever phase oh but not phase five we're in phase five I think. we are in phase five okay okay like i think one of the other pieces is gonna be how does this tie together to that larger uh, mcu narrative because that's the that's the other thing that is still kind of floating around is going to be you know kang 
to what degree are we going to deal with those consequences? Like now it feels as if there are so many things happening in the larger MCU that they're each becoming their own kind of line. I, I Dan points out uh, I'm a tad more optimistic, but can't tell you why. It's because it's probably just going to be a fun movie and that's it. Like, I, I don't see any substance coming from this. That's not a bad thing, but I think I think we we would want a little bit more for how integrated one these three characters need to be and also how they need to participate as part of the MCU. So it is a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, for me, it is a bad thing, personally, because I didn't love Captain Marvel 1. Yeah. But I do love Captain Marvel. And I don't like the way she was portrayed fully in the first one. But I do think that there's room for the character to grow. 100%. I feel like we need more time with her. They made her out to be... They pissed off a lot of people by making her the de facto most powerful character in the MCU without people feeling like she quote-unquote earned it. And... Forget about that argument. Like, I understand there's a lot of misogyny rooted in, in some of those um, points of view. But I think if you if you look past that, realistically, she was the deus ex machina of Endgame. And it doesn't necessarily matter who she was. That upsets people. This was an opportunity, in my mind, to humanize her more. And maybe they do that, but they're doing that juxtaposed with two other characters that are, frankly, right now, way more interesting. Mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. not Batman you don't just put Captain Marvel on front street and say yeah we're gonna pair her with whoever and that character's gonna make it interesting like the Dark Knight everyone says the Joker was the most interesting part about the movie people always say Batman takes a backseat to his villains well in this movie it seems like Captain Marvel's taking a backseat to her sidekicks and that's not good Word. I care way more about seeing Miss Marvel at this point than I do Captain Marvel 100% I can't wait to see Miss Marvel. I haven't, I haven't even seen her yet. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen the show, Doug? Who are you talking to? God, it's good, man. Lucky I even know about Photon. Um, you know who else is seeming like they're not necessarily that thrilled about this movie? The director, oh. Nia DaCosta. Um, so she is, she's been tapped to direct Captain Marvel 2, and she's been pretty open about her experience so far, uh, working with Marvel on this project, and it doesn't seem like she's that thrilled. (laughs) Um, so she's made comments over the last few months about what it's been like working on such a big budget project. She herself comes from smaller films. She did the uh, Candyman movie, uh, Jordan Peele's Candyman. Oh, yeah. Which she uh, co-wrote and directed. Um, And so, you know, she's used to smaller things. And this big budget movie is new to her. And so these are the kinds of things that she had to say. Sometimes you'd be in a scene and you'd be like, what the hell does any of this shit mean? 
or an actor's looking at some crazy thing happening in space, and they're actually looking at a blue X. There were obviously hard days and days where you're like, this just isn't working. She talked about how she went and spoke to various different directors who had worked on Marvel projects before to help them assuage or for them to help her assuage her fears. Uh, she spoke to Chloe Zhao. She spoke to Taika Waititi. She spoke to uh, Ryan Coogler, James Gunn. And she asked, are they going to kill me and destroy my soul? Is Kevin Feige a bad man? And they were like, no, he's just a good guy who was a nerd. Um, she talked about how she knew that it was Kevin Feige's production and that Ryan Coogler told her, be yourself. And she thought that that, that didn't make any sense. But once she got mm. to the project and saw how it worked, she realized that what that meant was give as much of yourself as you can to the project, try to stamp, put your stamp on it, but also recognize that you're not going to win every battle mm. and that you're making a Marvel movie that can feel ah. like a, a Nia DaCosta movie, but it can't necessarily be one. Right. It's a Marvel TM movie. <laughs> um, and uh, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, that that's a shame that that's the way she feels about it. Um, it makes sense. You know, you're you're abiding by probably guidelines and you need to ensure you have X number of things included. And so as a creative, I can imagine that that feels a bit stifling. Um, but for, and especially what, what surprised me was the, she's like, you know, they're looking off into space, but realistically it's a blue X on a, it's an X on a blue screen. Mm -hmm. um, that's interesting. Cause you know, you, you would, I'm assuming, but, that that experience would come with continued creation of film. She's only had a few things under her belt. Candyman being maybe not the the blue screen esque film, but um, you know I, I think I, I think there's a a level of having to come with a transition of mind ready to sort of do those things. If your expectation is it should feel this way, mm -hmm. as opposed to it will likely feel this way. Yeah, but that's but that's a long. Um a long established problem with these types of films. Mm. You know, Ian McKellen famously broke down on the set of the Hobbit because he was monologuing at a tennis ball. Sure. You know, and he was, you know, uh, he was frustrated, you know, because he said, this isn't what I got into acting for. Mm. You know, it's like, yes, it's acting. And, you know, uh, you know, like Jeffrey Groom says, you know, it sounds like the failing of a director to get the actor into the situation. Sure. And it is acting. But at the end of the day, like how much. How much genuine. Feeling emotion. can you get. Out of staring at a blue X. I also think it's unfair to put that on the director when we already know or. Maybe that's too strong of a phrase. I feel that from an, you know, we get the best results when actors and directors are working with real things, you know, yeah. when they're working with real environments and surroundings and you can see the thing, you know, even if it's just like a prop of the thing that doesn't look as good as it's going to look when CGI is added, that's a lot better than when you're looking at a blue X. 
yep. on a on a studio lot somewhere, yeah, with nothing real around you. You know, um, I think that's a little harsh to put the blame on her when I'm sure the actors are feeling it. I'm sure everybody who has a creative role is feeling that. It's weird. Yep. Yep. Um. She took the job. Of course, it's better, easier, etc. when it is not a blue screen, but that is the job. I mean, dude, yes, okay, we get that, right? But that doesn't that doesn't negate the fact that it is difficult, and that's what she's expressing. Yeah. And it's not like it's not even the best way to do the job. Right. It's not the only way to do the job. And it's like and, I can Yeah. Please. And it's not the it's not the best way, and it's not the only way. You know, I can I can make an Easter ham, but, you know, if I go down, you know, and I can put my own special spices on it or whatever, but if I go down to the, you know, the Carvery or the Golden Corral you guys might have, uh, you know, they're going to have a thing that they can slam out so that everybody can have it quickly and it's done. Right. Whereas I'm going to be able to take stuff that is, you know, uh, more individual and more, uh, 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 maybe even risky, you know, and maybe it's good, but also maybe it's bad, but it's mine. Sure. We also have examples of successful movies, superhero or otherwise that didn't do this, uh, at least not to a T. And obviously I understand that a movie with, you know, so much space stuff is probably going to have a lot more of this than say the Batman. Um, But Chloe Zhao, to her credit, forced the situation so that she could use as much practical effects as possible and as much real environment as possible. That was one of the things that Kevin Feige praised about the movie before it came out was how it looked, um, that it looked different than other Marvel movies because of how many real locations they used. I'll tell you some of that, some of that stuff, uh, some of those scenes, some of those scenes were not very real or practical. Well, maybe they didn't look good. Maybe we didn't like them, but she tried. And yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if I don't know if DaCosta got that same had that same ability to, you know, make those kinds of arguments, but again, it is a space movie. Either way, the point is that I feel bad for the people involved in this movie. Because I truly believe this should be a different movie. But this is the movie that they have to make. It doesn't sound like the movie that Nia DaCosta wanted to make necessarily. It doesn't sound like the movie that would have been made without streaming services. It sounds like the movie they're being forced to make. And that has to be a bad position to create from. Especially coming from indie projects and and, and horror movies. Yeah, right. Like... Uh, can you imagine making a horror movie staring at a blue X? Like, <laughs> uh... CW Gordon says the worst parts of Eternals look better than any second of Quantumania. I think I agree with that, and I actually really liked Quantumania. I hated Quantumania, and I also hated Eternals, but I think he's right. Yeah, I think so. Why? What? What reason is there why they couldn't have built that environment, or at least pieces of it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Wasn't there something that came out recently that was predominantly practical effects? You talking One about piece. a superhero movie? 
because Oppenheimer was predominantly practical, and when you watch that movie, you can actually feel—I mean, not literally—but you feel, yeah, what you're watching in front of you because it's not a fake explosion; it's a real explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what I'm thinking of, but I didn't okay. know that. But I mean, that you know, I feel like the most recent discussion was on, and yeah, it was on One Piece. Kale, I don't know if that was. That's exactly what it was. It was One Piece. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Love and like, like you know, somebody caught a still of the dude's sword bending because yeah. it was, you know, uh, a Rolled. piece of foam or whatever. But it's like, but that's like, yeah, that's part of it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and realistically, it's like, so? That shit slapped. If it, and if it works to make the film good and look good. Yeah, yeah. You know? The last thing I wanted to say about this um, is that I don't love the trend of Marvel movies that seems to be, hey, let's go grab this up-and-coming indie director and then make them make a movie that they're not necessarily comfortable making. If you want to get Nia DaCosta into the fold... Um, maybe start with something that plays better to her sensibilities. Um, that makes sense to me. You know, Ryan Coogler did Black Panther. Um, would he have been the right choice for, like, at that time for uh, Doctor Strange? You know, would it be in the right choice for Avengers, for Thor? He was the right choice for Black Panther. It made sense for who he is. Yeah. And yeah, and I think there's something to, you know, trusting your director. You know, stop backseat driving and let them do what you hired them to do. Right. If if that's what you want. But if you don't want that, then don't get a, a, a Nia DaCosta. Get a person who's used to working in those conditions if that's right. what you want if you're going to force someone to work this way get someone who works that way i don't know that yeah. just yeah absolutely it's frustrating but i i i still am looking forward to this movie because i want to see miss marvel i feel like that is the money character i really do iman valani has so much heart mm -hmm. and clearly loves this stuff she, uh, to me that's as good a casting, or maybe a tier below as good a casting, as Robert Downey Jr. was for Tony Stark. I think it's as good. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm still looking forward to it to some degree. But, what I'm looking forward to more than the Marvels is the draft. Oh, whoa. Yes, we, we, we absolutely hit our likes goal. Hope you stuck around, name and number. Screen name I don't remember. <laughs> don't you love it when people come and tell us like, you know, oh, I only subbed to you because of this, so you should do this. As if you subbing to me puts money in my pocket. But also, we do it. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. I'm we've, looking to kick ass. We've got a draft, and I think it's a fun thematic draft um, because in the spirit of the fact that movies are back, Sort of, almost, close to it. That Hollywood is back. 
and we just talked about the MCU, we are going to do a draft of MCU superheroes. So how's that going to work? We will draft five different MCU superheroes, and the catch is that we are drafting the MCU version only. So you can only draft heroes that have already appeared in the MCU, and you are getting that version of the character. So you can't get, like, you know, fucking Hulk from World War Hulk because that hasn't happened. Well, I get no, that actually did happen. That did happen. It did happen. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> the power level, World War Hulk Hulk. World War Hulk hasn't happened yet. That Hulk sure. you cannot get. You can get Planet Hulk Hulk from the movie. But that's how it's going to work. So I – oh, you had a question, Kale? It's just a, a team of these people, right? Yes. Only okay. heroes? Only heroes, yep. I've got my handy-dandy dice. And uh, we are going to – I'm going to be rolling for initiative for each of us. So uh, I'm going to start with Marco. We'll roll for Marco first. It'll be interesting to see who goes last, considering Tyler's not here this week. <laughs> well, Tyler. Got a nine for Marco. Not bad. Not bad. I'll roll for myself. A five. And for Kale. That's a nine. Ooh, Kale. Up to fisticuffs, I see. I'll well, then. Ass. So. Actually, yeah, you have a history. I dive. Yeah. <laughs> So it's Kale, Marco, me. Wait, I thought we both got nine. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Okay. Damn. So time to re-roll. I'll roll for Marco first. A 12. That is literally a 12. Oh, shit. <laughs> that is a 12. That is double A's. That is double and, A's. And what's, what's funny is, is Sean, you're like, all right, I'm going to guess who's going to go. I'm like, me. And you did me. Holy shit. Today's my day, dude. <laughs> you called your shot. Don't even, I'm, I mean, Kale, do you want me to roll for you? <laughs> no, that's all right. Let him have it. Let him have it. All <laughs> right. So uh, Markle's up first, then Kale, and I am dead last. Um, Quick question. Yeah. Um, from Hendrick Perry, would you pull their most powerful version like Thanos with Gauntlet, or are you just going to pull Thanos? You're just pu you're pulling the character, not necessarily character. like, yeah. Yeah, cool. All right. I'm going to start with, we've just been talking about her, Miss Marvel. Okay. Kale? I'm going to do Bucky Barnes. Ooh. Nice. All right. Well, uh, we've been talking about her, so I'm going to do Captain Marvel. Well, uh, you get yeah. to go again. And I'm going to do Captain America. Steve nice. Rogers. Listen, we've been talking about her, so I will also do Photon. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do Black Panther. And then I'm going to do Falcon. Hmm. All right. It's not bad. Do you have a theme going? I, I do. Okay. Already forgotten who he uh, who he's picked. <laughs> Because uh, I also have a theme and I'm having to work for mine. I'm going to pick Wong. Oh, what the hell is your theme? Oh, uh, yeah, baby. All right, all right, all right. Uh, so then I go. 
Um, I'll choose the Hulk. You get another one? Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I got a theme too. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna do. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa! Oh, my fault, my fault, my fault, my bad. Sorry. Okay. Hey, what were you? Uh, Jane Foster Thor. All right. Oh, nice. Um, I'm gonna do. All right, my last two. Um, Luke Cage, and then Shang Chi. Is Luke I, Cage are, MCU? Yeah, I don't know yeah. if they're technically... Are they technically a part of the MCU? Are they not? I don't know about that. Harley Cox is. And by because extension... He's made, the, he's made the crossover. Jessica Jones is. Because she's going to be in uh, the upcoming Daredevil series. Uh, I you, think you, we you, give it to him. I think we give it to him. You guys make the call. You guys make the call. Uh, I, I think. Know, I think man. if you'd said... I think if you'd said Danny Rand, I would have argued it harder, but I think Luke Cage has more potential. Sean, what are you thinking? I don't I don't think well, let's give it to you. Screw it. So you let's want Luke go. you want Luke and Iron Fist. Yeah. Uh, no. no 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 Luke and Shang Chi. Oh Shang Chi, okay. Okay. Uh it's my last one. Mm-hmm. She-Hulk. Oh, good. Nice. All right. So you got fourth wall breaking powers uh, and a Hulk. So that's pretty cool. Okay. I'll take that. Um, And for my last pick, I mean, I don't know why he hasn't been chosen. I'm going with Iron Man. He sucks. What? A word. A word. <laughs> <laughs> wow. First of all, you're lucky that Catherine Stars just left this stream because – I think I'm scared of her. I think you should be. She carries around all those musical instruments. She'll hit you over the head with a freaking cello or something. Hope she does. <laughs> uh, is that all five? That, all is, all, that is all five. That's it. Um, yep. So we have, and, and I'm dying to hear your themes, by the way. Uh, we have Marco choosing Miss Marvel, Black Panther, Falcon, Luke Cage, and Shang-Chi. What is the theme there? It was just BIPOC. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> Kale went with the Winter Soldier, Photon, Wong, Jane Foster, Thor, and She-Hulk. What's the theme? Mine was sort of partners, sidekicks, number twos. Okay. All right. I see that. Uh, and then I have Captain Marvel, Captain America, Steve Rogers, the Hulk, Thor, and Iron Man. Uh, my my theme was just characters that are really powerful it was and just really the Avengers. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my theme yeah, was the yeah. Avengers. <laughs> my theme was let me win. Yeah, I mean, dude, if I if I had to make an Avengers comic book roster, it would have every single person on this that I chose. Um, but as you guys know. The winner of this is determined by you. And the metric is whatever you think it is. It doesn't have to be power. Maybe my team's the most powerful, but that doesn't mean you like it the most. So who do you think won the draft? Marco, put up a poll, please. We want to know from you who won this draft. 
You guys have the final uh, final word. And what would your draft look like if you were going to draft MCU heroes? We've got C.W. Gordon in it with Daredevil, Spidey, Jessica Jones, uh, Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, and Mantis. Hmm. I like it. I like it. Mantis, Mantis is an interesting uh, addition to that team. <laughs> Right, like if you're drafting the MCU version of Mantis, you're getting a weird one. Well, especially with these street level heroes, right? Like, <laughs> yes, the 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 known connection between Jessica Jones and Mantis. <laughs> right. I feel like Jessica Jones would take Mantis's body and rip it in half. Yep. Just, Just out of annoyance. Beat her to a pulp. <laughs> No one said Scarlet Witch. That is a great point. I feel dumb now. Uh, you're right, and that's on purpose. Oh. I should have drafted Scarlet Witch, but I don't know. Um, We love doing a draft over here. And this is the only place you can find the draft uh, outside of, I guess, TikTok. Um, yeah, or a draft in general for comics nerdy stuff. Yeah. I don't see anybody else doing drafts like that. Word. Comics draft TM. Yes. I want a patent on it. Marco, get on it. Let's go. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Is it? <laughs> no. No, it involves hours of paperwork. I don't even think we could patent it. Probably could. Probably not. Yeah. Now I'm interested. Now I want to see. Go 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 uh go busy yourself with that. <laughs> Top, copyright. <laughs> I wanna I wouldn't know about that. Wow, Kale is Kale is cleaning up in the oh, word? Yes, yes. So, um thank you guys for this fantastic episode. Really appreciate all of the participation. Appreciate all of your listening ears. Um we have a lot coming down the pipe. As we mentioned, New York Comic Con is on the horizon for us. We want you guys to be a part of our New York Comic Con. We're going to invite you in through social media and through our uploading of, of the stuff that we get to do and see over there. And like I said, if you're going to be there, let us know. We can do some kind of a meetup or we can just say hello. That's all, you know, that's all on the table. Um, so that's going to be fun. Live book club for the first time ever. Excited October that. 30th. That's a Monday. Set your watch and warrant. We're going to be talking about the long Halloween. One of the most notable comic stories ever big two wise at least celebrated yeah certainly batman wise um patreon.com slash the comics pals is the best way to support the show if you enjoy what we do we appreciate everybody that does support by the way doesn't just look like joining us on patreon it looks like coming to the live streams it looks like giving us a like it looks like giving us a shout out on your platform of choice anything that you do to support the show is fantastic and we appreciate it we thank you yes absolutely thank you to everybody that we shouted out before from the patreon page signing up is super easy thank you to everybody that does that we give you a lot of bang for your buck over there we appreciate it thursdays live at 6 p.m eastern for pals pulls vote in the poll on youtube.com slash the comics pals speaking of polls uh it looks like kale took it Kale Whoa. got 43% of the vote, whereas Marco and I tied at 29%. It's because I cheated and voted for myself. Wow. Bro. 
I we, needed the win today. We needed to we keep the momentum. We said we weren't going to do that. And you, it didn't even matter. Kale still won. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst part. Piece of shit. You cheated for no reason. <laughs> well, uh, why don't we let the winner share their plugs? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Comics Pals. You can find me on Twitter. No. No. Nope. On Instagram <laughs> at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. You can find my work at Kalewar.com. That's C A L E W A R D.com. Marco. You can find me at Mr. Marco Nomoto on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, also, TikTok. Uh, be real. Give me. Find me on a social media platform. I'm probably there. Uh, the only place. Well, the only places I guess you can follow me are on Twitter and Instagram, at Sean Soapbox. It's a big uh, big wrestling weekend. We got No Mercy tonight from NXT, and we got Wrestle Dream from AEW. Looking forward to that. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We appreciate you. We love you. Until next time, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week.